Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Amen. All right. Amen, everyone. Um, let me pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you for being a great God. We thank you for this season, uh, this season that you gave the greatest gift, your son, uh, to come and be with us, Emmanuel, God with us. And uh, we pray that he will be with us throughout this week and this season uh, and continue to be with us and allow our spirit to lead us and guide us into all truth. We just want to honor you today and all that we do and say, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Um, yeah, thank you. My name is Virgil Moore. Um, this is a continuation of last week's message. Uh, I think I did one through nine, and I'm going to quickly run through the first nine, just in case you missed it. Uh, but it is online because I listened to it. Because I used to hate listening to myself uh, when I gave a message because it's the hard. I think it's the hardest thing to do. Um, but a friend of mine who used to live here in Lynchburg and moved to Michigan, and I was talking to him over the week, week, texting back and forth, and he said, oh, he preached on Sunday, too. And I said, oh, I, I did, too. And he said, I said, What's your, what was your scripture te- your text? And he gave me his text, and I was like, I was using the same text, too. And so um, I listened to his message, and then he listened to my message, and then we were texting back and forth about each other's messages. And then I listened to my message um, because I think it's important uh, for anyone who does public speaking, um, you, you kind of go through the semantics of trying to improve or be better, and that is why I listen to it. So anyway, um, I do want to, to let you guys know I am sleep-deprived right now. So <laughs> I wound up having to work last night, um, and I work at a paper mill out in Amherst County, and so I go in at 6 p.m., and I work till 6 a.m. So I probably got like an hour of sleep this morning. So I may say some crazy things, but just blame it on me being sleep-deprived. No, I'm not. Anyway, um, and thank you guys. I, I do have some people who texted me um, some things that they gleaned and learned. I appreciate that, and I will share that, and I will give you guys credit for it as well. So I won't take credit myself. But we're going to quickly go through one through nine, and then we're going to jump into our, our main thing, which is ten through, uh, let's see, let me get my phone out. I hope we can get it all done today. We're going to quickly try to. And this is just for uh, time's sake, not, not that I'm texting anyone in the middle of the service. But uh, <laughs> I just want to be aware of my time. Um, so, yeah, so the first thing we went over, um, the first one, and this is what, what you can learn or glean from uh, the birth of Jesus Christ. And these are things that I've learned, and I'm sharing with you what I've learned, but you may, have, you may learn similar things or get similar things from the birth of Christ, uh, or you may get something different. Um, but yeah, we all can learn or glean different things from the birth of Christ. So the first thing I learned was God fulfills his prom- prophecies and promises. Um, the second thing was, uh, and I qu- quickly just went over how uh, in the Old Testament they prophesied uh, several times about the coming Christ. And so I won't go into details about that. The second thing was no word of God will ever fail. Uh, the third, favor ain't fair. God found favor in an ordinary woman called Mary. And so we, we unpacked that a little bit. The 
fourth thing was do not despise humble beginnings. And some people would say that Jesus' beginnings were quite humble. Uh, and he went out to do great things, and so can you. Whenever you're humble, Whatever your beginning looks like, uh, God can still use that and do great things. Family matters don't matter was the fifth thing. And that just says, you know, even looking at Jesus' lineage, uh, it has some issues, some problems, some problematic characters uh, within his family. Uh, but God was still able to use him. And so so do we. It encouraged me that we have some, we may, I can't assume what you may have in yours, uh, but we may have some problematic characters uh, in our family history. And God is still able to use us in spite of that. Uh, family matters don't matter. The sixth thing was all are welcome uh, in the birth of Christ. So no matter what or who you are, uh, God welcomes you uh, in the birth of Christ. Seven, the divide between the spiritual and the physical becomes non-existent when Jesus comes on the scene uh, because we now have Jesus, uh, God incarnate with us, Emmanuel. And so that divide between the spiritual and the physical is no more, is bridged. Uh, the eighth thing, we can see what God looks like. Uh, when we look at Jesus, we can see what God looks like. And we can look at each other uh, because Genesis said that we, we are made in his likeness and in his image. And so we can see what Jesus, looking at Jesus and what he does, and who he hangs out with, uh, we can see what God looks like. So that makes we got we're all on the same page now. We're caught up. I know y'all right ready to go. Um, so the ninth theme, and this touches on. Um, let's see what number was that? Uh, number three, kind of like God uses uh, God found favor in the ordinary woman, but God works in the ordinary. Uh, our ordinary day to day life. God works in. He can do extraordinary things in our ordinary day. Uh, whatever we're doing, wherever we're going, uh, God can use that. Just like in the birth of Christ, um, Mary and Joseph weren't spectacular people. And I may have gone over this. It sounds familiar. <laughs> I may have gone through nine. But Mary and Joseph, weren't, uh, they weren't a prince or a princess. They weren't kings and queens. They weren't. Uh, it doesn't say that they had a lot of money and they weren't famous people. They were just ordinary people, and God was able to use them as a vessel to do miraculous work uh, through Mary and then also through Joseph as well, uh, the father. Uh, and in that, I'm encouraged that God can use ordinary me to do great things. He, uh, he's no respecter of the persons. He can use you, your ordinary life, however you think it is, ordinary or extraordinary life, uh, to do uh, his work. And that's what he's called us to do. Uh, he's called us in our mess, in our muck and miry, whatever we're in, he's called us to do his work in the earth, to be his hands, to be his feet, to be his eyes, to go out and witness, to win souls for him. And you may say, well, I'm not this and I'm not that and I don't have this and I don't speak as well as this person. But that's not important. Um, God can use, use a stutterer. Um, he can use you. Um, so he can use you wherever you are in your ordinary life to do great things.
So nine, God used the ordinary. Ten, without the birth, uh, there is no cross and resurrection. And that goes without saying. Uh, without this self-limiting step by the divine, the rest or the story would not have happened. Yet we often prefer to talk about the cross, how God suffered and died for our sins. When it comes to the gospel, we leave out that God first became human. And I think that is so important. It kind of touches on uh, another one that I'm going to go over next, which I'll go ahead on to say, uh, that humility. It shows God's humility. That God was able to bring himself down low to be with us. This, I mean, this is, you have to think about this. God is uh, sovereign. He's self-sustaining. He is all in all and be all. He is omnipotent. He is God. He was here before the foundations of the world. And so to imagine a God who loves us so much that he's willing to take himself off of that being God <laughs> and, bring, and bring himself into a human body. And, you know, I thought about that and I said, you know, what? Well, God could have come any kind of way. He could have came as a full adult. He could have just arrived on the scene, you know, just like Superman just came out of nowhere. Or he could have he could have he could have come a different way, but he can't he he chose to be vulnerable, he chose to limit himself, he chose himself he chose to be susceptible to these wretched human parents that he had I wouldn't say wretched but <laughs> his parents who are prone to make mistakes they weren't perfect individuals by no means but God chose to submit himself and be a baby. I mean, that's powerful. That is, that is love, that he loved us so much to bring himself so low. He loved us so much to bring himself so low. And so from that, um, I, I am learning, I haven't learned, <laughs> uh, to walk in humility, to realize that I can. I have to be able to work with anyone, no matter what, no matter how they come, whether they come dressed like me or not, whether they look like me or not, whether they have money or not or whatever. Uh, because God, God came for me, and He wants us to do the same thing. And so, even when we look at, you know, look at the other, talking about work, God working in the ordinary, or God. We can see God, we can see what God looks like when we look at Jesus and who he hung out with. God is calling us to do the same thing. You know, sometimes we think, well, uh, you know, I don't want to be with that crowd or they're not, I'm not called for those people. I'm called for these people here. Or I'm only called for the people that work around me because that, that's comfortable. Uh, and anything that's comfortable, we're, we're willing to, we're almost willing, I can't even say we're willing to do that, but we're almost willing to do what is comfortable. But we're l- less likely or sometimes unwilling to do what is uncomfortable. And it's very uncomfortable to bring yourself down low, to walk in humility, to bring yourself under submission of someone else who you may perceive as not worthy of you submitting to, or being up under, or listening to. Um, but our God did that for us. 
And so he's calling us to do the same thing, to go to people who don't look like us, who, who may not receive us well, because Jesus wasn't received well. Everyone didn't love him. Um, but yeah, so God is calling us to walk in humility. So 10 is, without the birth, there is no cross and resurrection. But, but it leads me to 11, which uh, the birth of Christ is a portrait of God's humility. Uh, James 4, 6, but he gives more grace. Therefore, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Uh, God calls us to be humble first and foremost because it is in his nature to be humble. Uh, Philippians 2, 7 says, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. I mean, I think that that is the epitome or, or a picture of God's love for us in that he was willing to bring himself so low so that he can save us. Uh, from the birth, I see God's grace. Uh, the grace of God, uh, God's favor. Grace is favor, unmerited favor. Uh, salvation by grace. Grace is therefore God's unmerited favor. His goodness towards those who have no claim on, no reason to expect divine favor, and yet he has given it. The principal manifestation of God's grace has been in the form of a gift, meaning giving us his son. I mean, again, it goes back to his humility, his grace, in that he loved us when we did not deserve it. When we weren't thinking of him. when uh, He wasn't on our mind. <laughs> uh, but he still saw a need and was able and willing to meet that need which was his son being the ultimate sacrifice. What I learned from that is, you know, I have to be willing to give grace as well when people don't deserve it. I, I worked this week. There, We had a meeting amongst uh, uh, the people who were kind of similar position that I am, and, and I was frustrated the whole meeting. I was like, this is not a good meeting. I, I felt my temperature boiling and just giving us information that I didn't like hearing. <laughs> um, so changes, so changes to protocol and procedures. And I, sometimes I have to step back and say, well, I'm always going to be a little adverse to change because it's changed. You know, just because somebody changes something. I liked it before. There was nothing wrong with it. Why you got to change it now? But all right, so I have to step back and say, all right, well, it's just you're already going to be adverse because uh, ad- adversal to adversarial to it because it was changed. It's not something I necessarily wanted. Uh, so I kind of stepped back. But then I thought about it and I said, I still don't like it. <laughs> um, but even in that, I kind of had a bad attitude. So after the meeting, I had to go back to work for a little bit. And so everyone, of course, you know, I work uh, mainly, um, and my uh, field is dominated with a bunch of men. It's uh, probably 99% men. I think there are very few women that work uh, in, in the main plan or what we do. Personnel is probably more, more females. Um, but so, of course, all of we gossip just like anyone else. So we're talking about oh, how we hate this and hate that, and this is horrible, and I can't believe this, and the only reason they're doing this is because they want to make it more difficult for us, and we should band together and fight the man. No, we didn't say that. But, <laughs> um, but in talking about that, you know, I really, again, after 
talking with several guys or whatever. Then I stepped back and said, Rosie, you know, uh, I, walking in that humility, uh, giving people grace who don't deserve it. And I was like, this lady don't deserve my grace at all because I'm going to give her a piece of my mind when I get a chance. No, she deserves grace as well. Uh, so, you know, it's just all that whole, uh, it just made me think, one, uh, and so we had that meeting. I was upset and didn't like it. Went home, told my wife I was upset and didn't like the meeting and all that went on. But then later on, the next day or two, I, I remember what I preached on last Sunday about people having value. And, you know, no matter what they are, who, what they represent, they have value just like I have value. Because I had diminished this one person already in my mind. <laughs> so I'm going to give him uh, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, but I, the Lord reminded me that they have value and they have worth. Um, and then in, in prepping for this, uh, they are, um, they should receive my grace just like I received God's grace as well. And so just changed my whole thinking about it. I'm not upset about it. In, well, a little bit, but not as much. <laughs> but um, it, it did make me it just... You know, it made me rethink and reevaluate, you know, that the situation, what was going on, and really bring myself down. I'm not one to, and I'm, I'm definitely not one to kind of, if I get, hear something, I'm going to be flying off the handle. No, because I process it, I think about it, and I internalize it. And so individuals may not ever know that I was upset about it, but I know that I was upset about it, and I kind of say, Maybe I shouldn't be upset about it. And I look at it 20 different ways before I come to a conclusion. Maybe I still should be upset about it. And then, Anyway, the Lord deals with me. That's how he deals with me. You know, he may, some of you guys may, would have, may, have, may have said something right away. And it's going to take me a few days to kind of process it to make sure, you know, this is how I feel or what I think or whatever the case may be. But I say all that to say, if God gave me unmerited grace or unmerited favor, then the example is he wants me to do the same. And so even for your coworkers, <laughs> that supervisor that gets on your nerves, that boss that doesn't deserve <laughs> or you don't think deserves your grace, and they rub you the wrong way and you can't wait to rub them the wrong way, uh, they deserve your grace because I'm sure you have rubbed God <laughs> the wrong way. <laughs> um, so that's, I learned from that the birth of Christ that uh, God's grace, when he exemplified his grace by coming in humility, then I need to do the same thing and be an example uh, in that as well. Um, the birth of Jesus shows that Jesus was perfectly willing not only to preach the gospel, but become a sacrifice. Oh, that's tough, y'all. At least tough for me. <laughs> uh, that he, you know, he wasn't, you know, and God in his infinite wisdom uh, knew the end from the beginning. And so he saw this world that was unwilling to consider him, unwilling to consider their ways, their sinful ways, and they were broken and he's strange, and, um, but he was willing, because of our unwillingness, uh, God was willing, sometimes we're unwilling to 
be inconvenienced. We are unwilling to wait. We are unwilling to be open and honest. We are unwilling to consider a love and rebuke from another. We struggle with being willing to say no to our own thoughts and desires, to be willing to answer God's ministry call, willing to work and serve within the local church. Sometimes we're unwilling. Unwilling to admit that we are wrong. So we can be very unwilling, but God is so willing. Uh, even knowing that he was going to be the sacrifice. Sometimes it's easy to be willing when you know that there's fanfare, that when it's a, a great position or when it's nice, when it's going to be comfortable. So, yeah, everyone can be willing, you know, at a people's different level of willingness. Yeah, I'm willing to serve as an usher when it's a sunny day. Um, but when it's raining, no, I don't want to serve. I don't want to go outside and get wet, and I don't want to open the door and get rain on my shoes, my nice new shoes or whatever. I don't want, you know, that's how we think sometimes. Or maybe that's how I think. I don't know. Maybe you guys are different. <laughs> um, I'm willing when the time is convenient, you know, when I have time. Yeah, I'll do that because I'm off that day, so I'm willing. But if I work and then you want me to do something, then I have to press my way. And so sometimes I'm, I'm unwilling because it's not convenient. Sometimes I'm unwilling to just be obedient or to serve. But God was willing. He knew in the end the outcome. He was going to be beat and he was going to be made a sacrifice. And it wasn't going to be. He wasn't going to be received well, uh, but he was still willing. Um, I was listening. Sometimes I'm, I won't age, I won't tell you my age, but <laughs> I like gospel music from the 90s. Uh, so listen to a lot of old stuff. Some of you guys would think old stuff. I mean, some of you guys are older than me, so I don't know what you think. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but Milton Brunson and the Thompson Community Singers, some of you are like, yeah, I know them. They have this song available to you, and I was listening to that. Uh, and it made me, I don't know why, because it's just willingness, but it, uh, the song is, I'll, 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 I'll say the words, I'm not going to sing it, I could, but I'm not, uh, but it just reminded me of God's willingness in that it says, you gave me my hands to reach out to men, to show him your love and your perfect plan. You gave me my ears, I can hear your voice so clear, I can hear the cries of sinners, but can I wipe away their tears? You gave me my voice to sing your word, to sing all your praises to those who've never heard. But with my eyes, I see your need for more availability. I see hearts that have been broken, so many people to be free. And then it says, Lord, I'm available to you. My will I give to you. I'll do what you say. Use me, Lord, to show someone the way and enable me to say, my storage is empty, and I am available to you. Uh, then there's another verse. But yeah, I love that song. Though. I listen to it over and over and over again. Because um, it makes me remember that I need to be available. I need to be willing. I need to empty out whatever junk I have going on and make myself available and willing to the service of the Lord. Um, so, yeah. That's Milton Brunson and the Thompson Community Singers available to you. If you want to listen to it, please, I 
I suggest it. It's good, good uh, black gospel music. I'll let you. I'll warn you if you're not a good fan of gospel music. It is your choir singing, nice voices, all the harmonies, good, good stuff. <laughs> uh, but yes, are you available to the Lord? Are you as willing as He is or was for you? to work through you, for you, to be there for you? Are you as willing as he is? And sometimes we, if we'd be honest with ourselves, we'd probably say, no, I'm not, I'm not as willing as I should. I'm not as available as I should. And I have my own unwillingness. And let's work on that. That'd be our challenge for next year, that I'm going to be more willing. I'm going to be more available. I'm going to, uh, as willing as God is to do all the things that we want him to do for us. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to be as willing as he is. And you can't, <laughs> we can try. I want you to try. We're not going to outdo him, but we can definitely try. I, uh, old churches say you can't beat God given. <laughs> but they do want you to try to be, outbeat him in giving. Um, so, that was 12, 13, the birth of Jesus. This is my last one. I There are several more that I could go into, um, and I kind of just list it, and I'll go over them later. Um, but this is my last official one. Um, <laughs> uh, but the birth of Jesus shows God's love for us. Ultimately, that it is a love story for us. Uh, he could have sent a get well card soon to us. <laughs> Said I'll see you at the end. <laughs> when he looked out on this world and saw all the sin and distress, he could have said, um, yeah, well, I'll see you at the end. Uh, I'll come back and we'll just fix everything then and we'll go on our way. Uh, but he knew that we needed a sacrifice because uh, the law wasn't working. He became the ultimate lamb um, that was slain. He could have like he could have sent a get world card or shot us a text message to let us know that he's praying for us, uh, but he didn't. He came in person, not just for a quick visit or an occasional check in on us, but he came to set up his tent with us and with his people. He dwelt with us. Um, he grew up. With his people, he learned, he taught, he healed, he listened, he suffered with, he forgave. Thirty years in the trenches with his people. Yes, his death also shows his love for us. But I have to wonder if the thirty years, in contrast to the three days, speak louder. And so when you think about the humility and the lowering of himself, it wasn't just a quick you know, let me humble myself for a few hours and be done. And then I can go back to being great again. Um, but it was 30 years, 33 years, actually, but um, 30 years before his ministry started. But 30 years of submission. I can't, I can't, I don't, I, can't, I don't know, I can't fathom God submitting because he's God. But he was willing to 
he could, like I said, he, he didn't have to come the way he came. Uh, he didn't have to have parents, you know. He could have just came up, you know. So he wouldn't have to submit to his parents. And I'm sure my children would tell you a bunch of horrible stories about how <laughs> difficult it is to be under parents. Or, and then I'm sure all children. I can probably tell you stories about how I didn't want to do what my mom and dad always told me to do or, or follow the advice they gave me or not necessarily advice, but they told me, you better do this. <laughs> um, but, yeah. But God was willing, and he did, out of his love for us, to submit himself. We see his love in that he has become the great redeeming, transforming gift. He is the rescue. He is the forgiveness. He is the restoration. He is life, hope, peace, and security. There is no salvation apart from him. There is no deliverance from his presence and power over sin apart from him. He loved us that he was willing to die for us and willing to submit and humble himself and come to be with us and toil with us and to have and to feel and to do all that we do um, so that he can be the ultimate sacrifice. I want to, I had two people text me what they learned. I'm going to read verbatim what they learned. I'm looking at them right now. (laughs) Uh, I'll start with Stella. She texted me. And Stella said, one thing, and this really touched me, Stella. Uh, She said, one thing I've learned from the birth of Christ is that nothing is impossible with God. This was made evident to me when Sam and I was praying for a child. And so what I got, you know, (laughs) um, so what I got from that, Stella, and I appreciate you sharing, is that no matter what life circumstances we find ourselves in, that may be difficult or not how we plan things to be. Or, you know, I'm not, <laughs> yeah, just difficult situations or difficult life circumstances that you didn't ask for. You know, if you get married late, then, you know, then the question, well, I, I do want a child, and how is that going to happen? And I can imagine all the worry and all the thinking that goes on, um, but nothing is impossible with God. And I know sometimes we can believe that here, and not necessarily here, and we can say it here, but think differently here. <laughs> um, but nothing is impossible with God. So whatever your dreams, your hopes, your desires um, that are unfulfilled at the moment, um, that you're struggling with, and you're wondering if God is going to come through, nothing is impossible with God. And so, just something you just have to remind yourself. <laughs> you might have to repeat it over and over again. That nothing is impossible with God. Brianna. <laughs> and Brianna said, and this was good too, Brianna, I appreciate this. Uh, she said, I have learned that God has a purpose for all our lives. We were born, Mary had a purpose, Joseph had a purpose, glory. Of course, Jesus. 
God uses and intertwines our lives for his glory. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I asked my kids to come up with something they didn't use. It's all good. <laughs> um, but, yeah, thank you for the, that. Then I'm be closing, but I do want to read. I, I did this devotional. It's like a 15, no, it's 7, 10, I don't remember. It was a devotional, <laughs> a Christmas devotional on my Bible app. So I was going through it every day. And so um, this, I, I love this. I think this was on maybe the last day of the devotional. And so I just want to uh, read this to you. Um, and it's not long at all. It says, the Jesus of history was a child of a Jewish family living under a foreign regime. He was born into an extended family living away from his home, and his family fled from a king who was sought who sought to kill him because he was poised because he poised a political threat. The Jesus story in its historical context is one of human terror and divine mercy, of human abuse and divine love. It is a story that claims God became human in the form of one who is vulnerable, poor, and displaced in order to unveil the injustice of a tyrannical power. While there is nothing wrong with the devotional piety of Christian tradition, a whitewashed nativity scene risks missing the most radical aspect of the Christmas story. The Jesus described in the Bible has more in common with children refugees born in third world countries. He, too, was a brown-skinned baby whose Middle Eastern family was displaced due to terror and political turmoil. Christmas, in the Christian tradition, is a celebration of God becoming human, God becoming human as a gift of love, to enjoy adorable, albeit, albeit ahistorical, nativity places and all the other wonders of the season in one way of delighting in this gift. But if we just nostalgically focus on one baby while ignoring all the other babies and children around the world suffering, then we miss the entire point of the Christmas story. This really made me think that the Christmas story <laughs> can mean a lot of different things. And so um, I pray that you look differently when it comes to the story, that you glean from the things that I've learned and I'm taking from it, but also add your own things, that, um, that it is powerful. I, I, I used to kind of downplay Christmas. Because Easter was the, the holiday, right? Easter is the Christian holiday. <laughs> um, but Christmas is important. There's so much to be learned. So have you stand to your feet. We'll close out in prayer. Uh, dear God, we just thank you for your son. Thank you for you bring your son to be with us in this season, this Christmas season. Um, 
Thank you for the birth, the life that he lived. Thank you for all the things that we can learn from the Christmas story. We thank you, um, thank you for not just thinking of ourselves in this season, but thinking of others. And not thinking of others in just a let me give them money or material things, but thinking of others in that let me see the life that they're living and what can I offer, can I offer Christ to them? Can I walk beside them? Can I humble myself uh, and be with them and, and live life with them and show them a better way possibly or, or show them a way? Um, you've blessed us so richly and so greatly uh, with your word, um, with everlasting life and the gift of your Holy Spirit. And it would be a shame if we just used it on ourselves. Let us take that gift that you've given us out to this world who needs it who's hungry for it, who's searching for someone to pray with them and to show them a better way and to uh, share the word of the good news. They're looking for hope, and they're clinging to a commercialization of it and thinking that it is in in gifts and in materialistic things, but we have an everlasting hope in Christ. So our prayer is that we become the vessels that God can use to bring about the ultimate change and showing love to this world. We just thank you, Lord. Thank you for giving us grace to do that, to walk that out. You're a great God. You're awesome. We praise you. You're worthy of our willingness and our availability. You deserve it. Um, You've blessed us so richly. And so we want to just show our appreciation by giving back all of us, all of us, not just financially, but our time and our willingness to serve. Uh, It's because of your love that we're here. So we just thank you. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.